thank you for your great name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and Lord we bow to you now in humble reverence Lord Jesus you are the king of the universe you are Lord of all creation you are creator you you are the exact representation of who God is and because we know you Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior we can have confidence that we know you the true and living God and we have a personal relationship with you because you died on the cross for our sins and you rose from the grave and now your spirit is dwelling inside of us father I pray now for the teaching that it's powerful because it comes from your word and your Holy Spirit is driving your teaching your word in your people's hearts I pray that they receive it this morning in Jesus' mighty name we pray amen and amen you may have a seat so question for you this morning to start off my teaching where is your heart where is your heart this morning let me get make it a little more specific as I also turn actually turn to Genesis chapter 50 I'll have Hebrews chapter 11 verse 22 on the screen but we're gonna actually be studying through Genesis chapter 50 but in relation to where is your heart at this morning my question to be a little more specific is where are you at in the area of forgiveness forgiveness you know that that the Word of God and the Word of God alone teaches us the art of forgiveness Do you know there's an art to forgiveness there's an art to letting things go there's an art to to forgiving people there's an art to moving forward and letting things go in life and that's exactly what we're gonna learn about this morning is forgiveness and letting things go letting things go especially when we're offended and we're hurt and we're portrayed as Joseph was in, in Genesis chapter 50 of your own family of your own family our verse uh, in case you're visiting with us this morning, we are. We started. I, I, look, I went back and looked at the calendar. We started the book of Hebrews March 1st, and so we're looking at right at a year in the book of Hebrews. Um, but this morning we come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, in our verse by verse study of Hebrews, and it says, "By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones." What a verse! He gave orders concerning his bones. I found that very strange, to be quite honest with you, when I first read it. But, but you've got to understand what's going on. That's why we have to go back this morning to Genesis chapter 50 and study it verse by verse to see exactly what's going on. But the title of my message this morning is Joseph, the final words to his brothers. What will be your final words in your life? We will all have final words, some of them, and hopefully, they will be words of blessing, words of encouragement, words that we propel our family members, our loved ones, and those around us to walk with Christ, to serve God, and we push them forward in the uh, Christian life. Who is Joseph? Joseph is one of the uh, 12 sons of Israel. Who was Israel? Remember, that was, a, that was a name change that took place in Genesis. Israel was Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. So this is, I think, if I, if I get that right, this is, this is Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph. Now, if you just read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, and you did not know the rest of the story in Genesis, you'd be thinking to yourself, as I was, 
what, what, what's the point? What, what's the big deal? But here's, what you, here's the big deal. The fact that Joseph is even talking to his brothers and communicating with them at the end of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, is a miracle in and of itself. Is a miracle in and of itself. You ever been betrayed? You ever been hurt deeply? Take it a little step further. You ever been hurt deeply by a family member or betrayed by someone that you loved dearly? Or maybe on the other end, maybe you have offended someone in your family and it's gone very deep. If, if that's the case, if you answered yes to either one of those, welcome to Joseph's world. Welcome to Joseph and his 11 brothers. Welcome to the world that they're in. So in order to set the stage, you and I need to actually go back and study 14 chapters of Genesis. Y'all ready for that? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis chapter 50 is the account of Joseph's life. That's 14 chapters. So instead of us going back and looking at those 14 chapters verse by verse, I've written you a summary. So I'd like to read to you a summary this morning of Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis chapter 50, and then we'll pick up our verse-by-verse -verse study in Genesis chapter 50, um, verse 15. So here's Pastor David's summary of those 14 chapters to catch you up to speed, to let you see the big picture of forgiveness. In Genesis chapter 37, Joseph is 17 years old. He has had a vision that his brothers and his father would one day bow to him. And he shares that vision with them. Because of Joseph's vision, his brothers become very jealous to the point of hatred. They hate Joseph. But he is deeply loved by his father. And Genesis chapter 37 makes that very clear. But then one day, while Joseph is checking on his brothers out in the field, they decide it's time for revenge. And they strip him of his coat of many colors that his father had given him, and they throw him into a pit with the plans that he would hopefully die a miserable death because they did not like Joseph. The scripture says they despised him. But then, at Judah's suggestion, one of the other brothers, instead of being left into a pit to die, they sold him to a band of Ishmaelites. Afterwards, they slaughter a goat. They cover that coat that they took off his back before they threw him in the pit. They take that coat, and they, they slay an animal, and they cover that coat in blood. Then they take the blood-soaked coat back to their father Israel, also known as Jacob, and they tell him that Joseph was killed by a wild beast. This is the godly line, guys. This is the family of God. This is where the gospel is coming through. This is the, the chain, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But these sons, they lie to their father. They deceive their father. And because of that, if you go back and read it, it says that Jacob weeps bitterly for the loss of Joseph because he loved Joseph so much. But meanwhile, down in Egypt, the caravan that purchased Joseph sells him into Egyptian slavery. But Genesis 39 gives us the insight. It tells us that the Lord was with Joseph in Egypt. So Joseph works his way up from slave to servant to overseer to eventual ruler of Egypt. Pharaoh places Joseph in charge of everything. You want to talk about favor, God's favor on his life. 
God's favor and God's blessing and God's divine providence was all over Joseph's life after he had been betrayed and sold into Egyptian slavery. But then many years later, because of a famine, Jacob, back in Canaan, sends 10 of his sons down to Egypt to search for grain. He keeps one son back, and that was Benjamin. When they arrive in Egypt, according to Genesis chapter 42, verse 6, there was a new ruler in the land. Guess who? Joseph. Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they do not recognize him, possibly because he had adjusted to the Egyptian culture and the dress code of the Egyptians. Not knowing it was Joseph they were standing before, they presented their request for grain for their famished homeland. Then Joseph accuses them of being spies and orders them to prove themselves by going back to Canaan and returning with the son that Israel had kept back, um, Benjamin. Thus they did as Joseph requested. They go back, they get Benjamin, they bring him back. Then upon their second departure departure from Egypt with grain and all their brothers, Joseph had a silver cup placed in Benjamin's sack. After they departed, Joseph had his palace guards pursue them and search their bags for the silver cup. The planting of this cup, you see, would force Joseph and his brothers into a confrontational showdown. And in this confrontational showdown, which is recorded in Genesis chapter 45, in this meeting, Joseph breaks down in tears, revealing his true identity. It was a moment of reconciliation, forgiveness, tears, and joy. What a moment that must have been. They thought their brother was dead, but he's alive. And now they're having this moment of reconciliation where the the brother they thought that they were going to kill and sell into slavery, he's alive. He's alive. Joseph had every reason to hold a grudge. Joseph had every reason to hold their feet to the fire and even hate them back. But afterwards, Jacob and his sons moved down to Egypt. The scripture says they settled in Goshen. And for the next, I'm not sure how many years it was, um, they lived under Joseph's care and provision. And that, my friend, is the summary of Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 50, verse 14. And this morning, we're going to pick it up in our verse-by-verse study, starting with Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. So if you would look there, please. Um, the, the early part of Genesis chapter 50, Jacob, Jacob passes away. His 12 sons uh, take him back to the land of Canaan, and, and, and they bury Jacob with Abraham, Isaac, Rebekah, and Leah um, back where they were out, out of his request. And then... Let's pick it up at Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. It says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which he did, which we did to him? You see, their father, living in the land of Goshen, living in the land of Egypt, he was their security blanket for their, for their forgiveness with Joseph in their minds. Because the scripture clearly teaches us that Joseph and his father, they loved each other. Jacob had a deep abiding love for Joseph. Joseph had a deep abiding love for his father. And therefore, Joseph wanted to please his father, of course. And the, and the uh, brothers knew that. And the brothers, the brothers knew that. But now, 
Now, Jacob is gone. Jacob is gone. They're living down there in the land of Goshen. They're living down there in the, in the land of Egypt. And, and now doubt is beginning to creep into their minds. And they are worried. They are worried. They are thinking to themselves, has Joseph truly forgiven us? They're worried if, oh man, here comes the piper. Is he going to exact revenge against us now that our father has passed away? So they were worried. The, 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 the brothers were worried, according to verse 15, that revenge would be coming. So then they, get to, they huddle together, they come together, and they say, hey, we need to send Joseph a message. We need to remind him of what the father said, and that's in verse 16. Look at verse 16 in your Bible. It says, so they sent message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, please forgive, I beg you, the transgressions, the transgression of your brother and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your fathers. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. You see, they understood they had done wrong. And Joseph had every right by man's standard to disown his brothers. Nothing hurts deeper uh, when it comes to betrayal or being lied to or deceived, especially when it's by someone that you love. And he has been betrayed by his brothers. And now what we have in the text is the father is asking for Here's the key word, forgiveness. Where are you at this morning when it comes to forgiving those who offend you? Where are you at this morning when it comes to, where's your heart at when it comes to experiencing the, the full measure of forgiveness, of being able to forgive people, being able to let things go, and being able to let, being able to move forward in life? Where are you at? I kind of want to put the cart before the horse, or put the horse before the cart, but it's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you get saved, when you get born again, when you repent of your sins, and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he gives you a new heart. That's the art of forgiveness. That's the art of being able to let go is experiencing salvation and moving forward in your walk with Christ and understanding, I, I understand that prior to me coming to Christ, I greatly offended God. I great, Pastor David greatly offended God. I offended God by all my rebellion, all my disobedience, and all my ways of going the other way and turning the other way. I offended him. But what did he do? What did he show me? What does the scripture say in Titus? He shows us mercy. He shows us grace. He shows us love when we repent and put our trust in Christ. And he gives us a heart of forgiveness toward the world. So it's not necessarily Pastor David being able to forgive, but it's the Holy Spirit in Christ dwelling inside of me that changes and turns my heart and gives me the ability to forgive. One of the benefits of serving God 
And one of the benefits of being a born-again believer is this. You learn the art of forgiveness. You learn the art of reconciliation. And you learn the art of letting go. And it's not always easy. And sometimes it's difficult. And sometimes it's challenging, depending on what someone has done to you. Or maybe what you've done to someone. But it can be done. It can be done. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And that's one of those things that we can do is come to a place of complete forgiveness. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I say to you up to seven, I, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. You see, in the rabbinical teachings, in the, in the teachings of the day, the Jews and the Pharisees were taught you forgive three times. You, you offer forgiveness up to three times. So Peter, high and holy Peter, who, 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 who me and him have a lot in common, we have the foot in the mouth syndrome. You know, you stick your foot in your mouth when you say things you shouldn't have said. But Peter, in his high and holy thoughts, he says, Jesus, seven times. I'm going to double the Pharisees. I'm going to double the rabbis. I am really holy. I am really godly. And Jesus says, no. No, Peter. Seventy times seven. Four hundred and ninety times. Now, does that mean that we count out people's offenses? And after four hundred and ninety times, I'm not forgiving you. No, that's not, that's not the point. The point is, is that forgiveness for the believer is unlimited. And it goes throughout our life. Now, that doesn't mean we don't put measures in place to protect ourselves and to guard ourselves. You know, we don't keep letting people offend us over and over and keep yielding ourselves to them and opening our hearts. It's not, we, we put measures in place to protect and to guard our heart, but we do forgive the offense. We do forgive the offense and we pray for them. We pray for them. When you and I forgive, believer, the born-again Christian, when you forgive, you display the power of the cross. You display the power of the cross in your life. You display the working of the Spirit of God inside of you, which enables you to forgive. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Here it is. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Do you, do you see that? We're, we're just passing on what's, what we've experienced. <clears throat> we, we forgive others just as Christ forgave us. And I look at all my offenses and all the ways I offended the Lord, and to think that I'm forgiven, it's been washed clean. Brother, sister, that makes it a whole lot easier to forgive you and to walk in forgiveness. And let me tell you something. When you walk in forgiveness, it produces a soft heart. It produces a soft heart, and, 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 and it, it gives you a joyful heart. Because the opposite of a joyful heart and, and, and holding bitterness is, is you have a bitter heart. You have an angry heart. And that's not what we're called to be as believers. We are called to love those who do us wrong. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I don't know about you, but that's hard. That's hard, and that's difficult. 
And that takes a supernatural power from on high to be able to do what Jesus said in Matthew 5.44. Matthew 5, but it can be done by the Spirit of God working in our lives. We're able to love our enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. That is so countercultural. You know, when we think of being hated, what do we want to do? We want to return anger. We want to return bitterness. We want to return hatred. But by the power of the Spirit-filled life, the Holy Spirit operating in our lives, he gives us the ability to love those that even hate us. And that's our witness, folks. That's our witness. Be careful. Please be careful. Please, please, please be careful before you say, I can't forgive. Because Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, he says, for if you forgive others their transgression, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So there's another benefit of forgiving people and letting things go. What does it do? It ensures our forgiveness. Lord, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to let go just like you have forgiven and letting go. Do you know he's not holding your sin over your head? He's not saying, Debbie, do you remember what you did? Or Irene, do you remember what you did? Or Pastor David, you remember that lifestyle you used to live? He's not holding that over my head. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. By Jesus' death on the cross, the guilt of sin, the shame of sin, and all that has been completely abolished and wiped away. Your past has been removed by your trust in Christ, by your belief in Christ. It's all been removed. How glorious is that? You know, people want to talk about, people want peace of mind and peace of heart in, in this life. That's where it's at. And not wrestling with the daily struggles of bitterness and anger, but walking in the Holy Spirit and letting him live out his life in us and forgiving all others. Again, the foundation of forgiveness for the Christian is found in the cross. It's found in the cross. God has forgiven us, so we forgive others. We are only passing down what we have experienced. And, 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 I, and I believe this was taking place in Joseph's life back here at verses 16 and 17. Notice at the end of verse 17, what does it say? It says, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Notice, Joseph is weeping. My friend, these are tears of joy. These are tears of joy and tears of reconciliation. He's forgiving his brothers, and that's bringing great joy to his heart. Did you know that joy is a byproduct of forgiveness? You know, we experience great joy in our lives when the Spirit works and gives us the power to forgive someone else. It brings great joy to our heart. And let's say, that, and also, it brings great joy to the heart of God when he sees his children here on earth, Christ's representatives, exercising the same forgiveness to other people that God has exercised toward them. It's called being a light. It's called being a light in darkness. 
It's called being a light in darkness. You know, I'm a believer in Jesus, and I believe the gospel, and I believe the word of God, and I trust it, and I, and I trust and believe that the Holy Spirit is operating in a supernatural and powerful way, and one of those ways is giving you and I the ability to forgive. Look at verse 18 as we move forward in our verse-by-verse study. Verse 18, then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, I love this. What a magnificent statement. He says, behold, we are your servants. You know what this is called right here that you're looking at in verse 18? This is called complete, complete reconciliation. They see their brother's heart. They see the forgiveness that they are being, being given by Joseph. And you know what's happening? A bond, a new bond, a new bond is taking place between Joseph and his brothers because God has given him the ability to forgive. So that is a benefit even today of you and I exercising forgiveness. Is, is, is when it's true, when it's real, when it's authentic, when the forgiveness is led by the Lord and led by God and given to us by the power of the Spirit, a, a bond begins to take place. In the form, it could be as simple just as reconciliation. You live at peace with each other and all is well. For some others, it might be a step up and a friendship forms because of the offense has been forgiven. And some, for some people, it's, it's even deeper where a, a great bond takes place between the offender and the offended. That's, that's good stuff, family. That's good stuff that we want to experience today in our Christian walk. And, the, and, the, and let, me, let me also insert the gospel into verse 18. Looking at verse 18, he says, Behold, we are your servants. It was, verse 18 his brothers came and it says they fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. If you rightly understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will, make, you will do the exact same thing with Jesus. And you will say the exact same thing to Jesus. You will come and you will fall down before him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will say, Lord Jesus, you are, I am your servant. You are my master. But if we rightly understand the gospel, we will say the exact same thing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Same principle. Jesus says, you're forgiven by the cross. You're like, oh God, you're awesome. I am your servant forever. When we rightly understand the gospel, when, it, when the gospel goes from our minds into our hearts, it penetrates us and it changes us. And that's where we want to go. That's where we want to be. Verse 19, he says, but Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? Verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. See, Joseph, in the midst of this conflict, in the midst of this betrayal, what we see there is Joseph had a confidence in the sovereignty of God. He had a confidence in the sovereignty of God. And Joseph knew that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And we need to understand that in, in God's sovereignty, there are no accidents. There are no accidents. And he knows exactly where we are in life. And he knows exactly what's going on. And he knew exactly what was going on in Joseph's life. And, and it says there, 
what they meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Even man's evil actions cannot thwart the eternal sovereign plan of God. Okay? So don't think man can get in the way of God's plan. What he has willed, he has willed, and he will see it through to the end. And no matter how much uh, people or mankind rebels against him, no matter how dark our culture gets, no matter how evil it gets, God has a sovereign plan, and it will prevail. It will prevail. And that should cause our hearts to rest. And that should cause our hearts to forgive more and to show people more grace. But yes, verse 21. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Man, I like Joseph. We can learn a lot from Joseph this morning. Joseph here in verse 21, he's going the extra mile. He's, he's going the extra mile. Not, not only is he going to forgive, not only is he going to forgive his brothers, but now he's saying, I'm going to take care of you. I, I'm going to take care of you. And also it says in there in verse 21, uh, the NASB says, um, I will provide for your little ones. And it says, and so he comforted them. Not only will he take care of them, but he will comfort them. He will comfort them. He would come alongside his brothers and walk them down the life of a believer, showing them reconciliation, showing them forgiveness, showing them how to forgive, how to reconcile. What kind of impact do you think it had on the brothers as they saw this biblical, godly witness? I imagine it changed their hearts to see and to understand their great offense. Remember, they threw him into a pit. They threw him into a pit to die. But then at the request of Judah, they said, no, let's, let's bring him up out of the pit. Let's strip him of his coat. Let's put him on this uh, caravan to be sold into Egypt. Let's betray our, let's dip his coat in blood. Let's go lie to our father. Let's go deceive our father. I imagine that the guilt was great. I imagine that the guilt was great. But here we are later, later in their life where Joseph is saying, but grace is greater. But grace, God's grace and God's truth and the ability to being able to forgive is greater than the guilt. That's amazing. That's amazing to me that he goes the extra mile. And by the way, let's, let's look at this. Let's, let's insert the gospel into verse 21. He says, so therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you, your little ones. So he comforted them. This is exactly what Jesus does for us today. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us today. You come into the family, he forgives you of your sin, and after he forgives you of your sin, what does he say? Bud, Kate, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. God knows every hair on your head. He is sovereign and he's in control. And God will take care of you. What a glorious benefit to being a believer. Not only God, does he forgive us of our sin. He don't just forgive us of our sin. And, okay, you just go on about your way. Get out of my, I don't, I don't have time for you. I've got other things to do. I've got other souls to save, which he does. But he says, I'm going to bring you into the family. And I'm going to cover you under my wings. And I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be the one that takes care of every single detail of your life. I'm going to be the one 
that's going to be sovereign over everything and take care of you. It's called bringing you into the family. You wouldn't, you wouldn't adopt or bring someone into the family just to give them your name and then let them go. No, you bring them into the home and you take care of them and you nurture them back to life. And, and, and that's what God does for us in Christ Jesus. And that's what Joseph is doing for his brothers in verse 21. Let's continue, verse 22. It says, now Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons, also the sons of Micar, the sons of Manasseh, were born on Joseph's knee. And here it is, verse 24, that phrase, Joseph said to his brothers. And this is where we're picking it up in our verse-by-verse -verse study of the book of Hebrews. This is the, the passage that we're coming up on in verse 24. This is what Hebrews 11.22 is actually referring to, but I wanted to give it to you in context so you could see the big picture. And remember Hebrews 11.22? Ricky, if you could bring that up, the opening verse. It says, By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. This is what the New Testament, um, our New Testament study is referring to, starting in verse 24. He says, Joseph says, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So the first thing is Joseph is reminding them that, you know, hey guys, I've been taking care of you for all this time. Remember, Joseph was made a, a leader in Egypt. Pharaoh put him in charge. So it's kind of like the, the father and the brothers were living under his rule and under his reign and under his protection. And Joseph is now saying, hey guys, I'm fixing to pass away. But guess what? Not, well, he's he's kind of already in charge, but Joseph is saying basically, God's going to be in charge and God is going to take care of you. God's going to, he's reminding them that Yahweh, that Yahweh God will be faithful to them here in his dying hours. It's interesting that um, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And our final words, our words in general represent the words that we speak, the words that you hear come out of people's mouths represent what's on the inside. But it's interesting here in his final days, that I, I, Jesus said, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that Joseph is speaking that which was in his heart. And that was the legacy that he was passing down to his brothers, that, that, that he's forgiven them, he's let it go, and now God Almighty, the creator of the universe, will we'll take care of them. I imagine it's kind of like they were launching off into faith because here they are living in Goshen, living in the land of Egypt. Joseph is the ruler, and, and all the brothers are like, hey, that's my brother up there on the hill. And Jacob, Israel, was like, well, that's my son. So there was, like a, there was like a security blanket there. Well, that security blanket, uh, Jacob is, 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 um, is going to pass away, and now they're, they're having to step out in faith and trust in the faithfulness of the Lord God Almighty. And Jacob excuse me, uh, Joseph says to his brothers that God will take care of you. And then the second half of verse 25, verse 25 of, of Genesis chapter 50 is the second part of Hebrews 
11.22, where it says, Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. Okay, so there was, that was all one statement. So I kind of covered part of it ahead of time. But he says, God will take care of you. And he says here, you shall carry my bones up from here. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read that, that kind of seems like a strange request. That seems like a, okay, I'm gone. You know, what are you going to do with my body? I really don't care. But so that, that can kind of come across as a strange request. But what you need to understand is this. Joseph's life was centered on the promises of God. Okay? Joseph knew the promise, the Abrahamic promise that was given to Abraham, that was passed down to Isaac, that was given to Jacob. The sons knew about that. And in my mind, when I read this and I look at this and I understand the storyline of Genesis chapter 37 through Genesis chapter 50, I think Joseph may have been thinking something like this. He may have been thinking, hey, I might not get to live, I might not live in the promised land, but guess what? My bones will. My bones will. And that was a very prestigious thing to be buried with your family in the land of promise. See, in the Abrahamic covenant, there, there are three elements to it. The Abrahamic covenant that God made to the Jewish nation of Israel that we will see fulfilled one day. Um, well, part of it is, part of it is. But anyway, there's, there's a land promise, and that's that piece of land that the Jewish nation that we call Israel. There's the uh, people promise that would continue. That's the Jewish people themselves. But then there's a seed. There's a spiritual promise. And that seed is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything in the Bible, all Bible prophecy, if you want to study Bible prophecy and you want to study the book of Revelation in last days, just put your crosshairs on the nation of Israel as you study the Bible and it brings everything into focus. Israel is very important for last day's events. It's a holy land. We, we all know the talk in the news, you know, of how holy and how significant Jerusalem is. Uh, have you ever been there? I, I have been there, so it's a very fascinating place, a very uh, holy place, if you want to call it that, with all the places that Jesus did ministry in, in Golgotha and everything. But it's a very special place. And even back then, back before the time of Christ, back during the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it was a special place then. And Joseph is saying, hey, I'm going to pass away here. You're going to embalm me. You're going to put me in a coffin. You're going to go into slavery. But eventually, and the book of Exodus does tell us that when they left, they took his bones with them, and they, and they buried him in, um, in Canaan. Verse 26. Verse 26. This is the final verse in the book of Genesis, says, So Joseph died at the age of 110 years and was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. You know, looking at the subject of Joseph and the application for our lives today, as we study through the book of Hebrews, looking at Joseph, looking at Genesis um, chapter 50, my heart, my question, and I hope where your heart is, remember I talked about in the beginning, where's your heart? My hope is that maybe, maybe by chance, there's a couple people asking this morning, how can I have a heart like Joseph? How can I have 
this same forgiving heart just like this man of God in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Or maybe you're asking how to guard, our, how to guard your heart against forgiveness. You know, um, that's a, a tall order. That's a wonderful, awesome example that Joseph has given you and I today in 2020, a wonderful example of what it means to forgive. What, what can we learn from this? What can we pull from this? I believe that Peter, I believe Peter says it best. I want to close with this one passage. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 is a synopsis, I believe, is a beautiful picture of Joseph's life. And it's a beautiful picture of the Christian life. This is what a believer is, is like. This is what you and I should strive to be like. This is where the Holy Spirit is moving us to be like when we live like Joseph and we forgive. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to give you five let me give you five principles from this verse. Let's, let's just read the whole thing first. It says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Now, first off, before I get into my notes and my little outline of the principles in this verse, man, what would our church what would the big church, the body of Christ across this planet look like if we all lived this out? It would be amazing. It would change our culture if we live out these principles in our Christian life. It would be life-changing. That's why we get, we got to get out of the flesh and let the Holy Spirit do his work. But the five things... 1 Peter 3, 8, 9. first one is, uh, he says, finally, all of you, be of one mind. Be of one mind. I circled it up there for you so you could see it. What does it mean to be of one mind? It means to be focused. It means to be focused on the Lord, to be focused on Christ. It means to have him at the center point. You know, when I go hunting and I look at that deer, what do I do? I put the crosshairs on him. I put the crosshairs on him because I'm going after him. What you and I need to do is put the crosshairs of our life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put our crosshairs of our life on Christ Jesus himself. Put the focus of our life on living for him and walking this out in the spirit and, and being focused on, on him. And when we do that, we can forgive. The next thing is, it says, uh, finally, all of you be of one mind, having, there it is, compassion having compassion for one another. You know, this I believe, I believe this is, a, uh, this is a picture of Joseph. This is a picture of the Joseph we just studied, and this is a picture of the Christian life. But what does it mean to have compassion on one another? It means we have sympathy. We have sympathy. You know, sometimes, we, sometimes you know, believers want to have a tendency to look down the barrel of their nose and be judgmental, but we need to have sympathy on one another. We're all fallen. And we all blow it along the ways. And we need to be sympathetic to one another. In other words, we need to show mercy. We need to show mercy. The same mercy that God has shown you, show that mercy to someone else. The same kindness that 
that God has shown you, show that kindness to someone else. That's what, the, that's what compassion means. That's what compassion for one another means. The next one says, uh, finally, although you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, there it is, love as brothers. Love as brothers. What does that mean? It means have a godly affection towards others. In other words, genuinely care. Have a genuine, authentic love and care for the well-being of others. Guys, we're getting down into the nuts and bolts. Man, we're, we're, we're dissecting the life of a believer. We're dissecting the life of Joseph. We're dissecting what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to do in your life. He wants us to love one another. The next one, he says there, be tenderhearted. Be tenderhearted. What is, what is tender heart? What is it, what is, what's that all about? In other words, just have a soft heart. Just have a soft heart. Have a pliable heart. Have a soft heart that the Lord can use in the kingdom of God. How do we have a soft heart? How do you soften your heart? By filling it with the word of God. And by experiencing the love of brothers and sisters in Christ. It melts defenses. And it enables us to love one another. To show God's agape love. To experience that philo love, that brotherly love that we have between each other. This is the heart of Joseph. This is the heart that God wants you and I to have towards each other. Then he says there in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, he says, be courteous, be courteous. What, is, what does be courteous mean? It means look after. It means look after. You see your brother who needs help? Help him. You see something that you need to remind someone of? Remind them. It, it, it just means to look after. The same way um, me and Irene look after Emily and Daniel because they're our kids. And, and, and we want to provide for them and take care of them and guide them through life. Let's do that same thing to each other within the body to help people, to help people along the way. I remember, forget, whenever I got ordained at Calvary Chapel Lexington, one of the things that John Hoppy told me, he said, David, at the end of the day, we're here to help people. We're here people to show the gospel, teach the gospel, and we're here to help people. When you come here on Sunday mornings, we're here to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. You know, I want to be courteous to you. I want to be courteous to you. I want to be courteous to my family. Let's be courteous to each other. This, this is what being born again looks like. And this is what, and not, not saying we're perfect. I'm not perfect. I don't know, maybe you are, but I'm not. I see areas of my life that I can improve on. But this is where God calls us to walk. This is where God calls you as a believer to be of one mind, to have compassion, to love, to be tenderhearted, to be courteous. And then it says, not returning evil for evil. Um, well, when you do those things, when you're of one mind, you have compassion, you love, you're tenderhearted, you're courteous. When you get to that point, I, b I believe we get to a point where we do not return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing, blessing. Um, knowing 
that you are called to this. Knowing, we know it in our minds that this is true, that you, that we're you as all believers, we're called, God is calling you to this, that you may inherit a blessing, that you may inherit the fullness of the Christian life. You know, it's more than just head knowledge. It's more than just head knowledge. It's heart knowledge. It's heart knowledge. It's heart experience. The grace and the truth of God, uh, the forgiveness that comes, we can experience that. Even through the most difficult times, I know there's, there's people, there's, it's, it's, I'm preaching to a broad spectrum, I, I imagine here. There's some people that experience minor offenses, and there may be some people here that, man, somebody's really, really hurt you. And, and the, the, the dagger went deep, and you've had a difficult time of moving on. If that's you, and you're on that deeper end, let today be the day that you began to move forward and let it go through prayer, through Bible reading, through talking with that individual, through, through, through meditating on the word of God and letting God's word sink in deep so that, not that they'll see your honor, not that they'll see your glory, so that they will see the Jesus that is in you. Does that sound like a good idea, church? Does that sound good? We can learn, we can learn a lot from these guys. And this morning, looking at the life of Joseph, we look at what it means to forgive. And I'm very, I'm not, I don't want to say thankful, I kind of am, but, but this happened in the family. So the, 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 the Bible gives us an example of one of the deepest uh, betrayals one of the deepest deceptions to show that even in that deepest deception, even in that, that most, uh, this is family deceiving family, that even in those situations, forgiveness can take place. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this verse-by-verse study. Thank you for the life of Joseph and what we've learned from him. And um, God, help us Help us today to be of one mind, to have compassion on one another, to love each other, to be tender-hearted, and to be courteous. Help us not to return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, Lord, let your people, let us be a blessing, knowing that we were called to this, that we may inherit a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.